Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016, I helped him launch his very first membership. He had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership. In his first launch, he got 130 members, bringing him in about 60,000 in income every year. Now, He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast, episode 57. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast, uncovering the secrets of effortless social media marketing for your business. And here is your host, Teresa Heath Waring. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you? Do you know what? I'm really excited about this week's episode. Last week, if you caught it, I hope you did. If not, please go back and listen to it. We talked all about selling and how you can sell better in your business without feeling horrible and sleazy. And also some of the things that got me clarity on how I could price my brain, which I'm not going to lie, was quite difficult in the beginning. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you do. It was a really good one, or I thought it was a really good one. Fingers crossed you did too. But this week follows on so lovely from it. And you know what? It was a complete coincidence. It was not intentional when I looked at who was on the following week, because obviously my interviews are often scheduled much further on ahead. I then saw which it was and thought, perfect. So this week I have the super lovely Jen Burson on. Now, Jen and I met at one of James Wedmore's Next Level events, which was great. She's so lovely. You know, when you instantly hit it off with someone We had such fun. We laughed lots. And we're also in quite similar industries because her agency does PR with some social media. So we were able to talk quite a lot about our businesses and how they sort of fitted quite well together. The other thing that Jen does amazingly, which is why she's on the podcast, is she helps agencies and freelancers and other businesses get more clients. And this week's episode is a great one because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how can you get more clients in your business? And she gives us some really great proactive ways, which I openly admit during the interview that I am not proactive enough, that we are very lucky and reactively we have had lots of things drip feed in, which is nice. 
However, we've not gone out there proactively to get clients. So for me, this was a really interesting one. And also, I think it's going to be a great one for you too. Now, we don't just talk about getting clients. We talk about what it's like to work in your flow, in your zone of genius, in the areas that you love. Now, we've all got these clients where we think, if I could have 10 of you, my world would be a dream. And you know why? Because that's our our flow. That's our zone of genius. That's the work or the industry that actually clicks and connects with us perfectly, that it's easy, that it's not difficult. And Jen and I talk about this and she talks about getting clarity on those types of clients so that when you do either approach people, you're approaching the right people, or when clients approach you, you are fully aware of whether they're going to fit in that or not. And if they're not, that you know to say no to them because you know what, it's not going to work out in the end. And we'd all like to be in a position, I'm sure, where we're only dealing with the best type of clients that we want or the industry that we want. The other thing that was really funny that Jen and I talked about, which is odd considering the industry Jen and I work in, is how difficult it is sometimes to market yourselves. Obviously, our jobs are to help other businesses market themselves. And therefore, when it comes to marketing ourselves, you'd think it was super easy because we know so much about it. I can promise you it's not. So actually, we talked a lot about how to market ourselves and put ourselves out there. And she gave lots of great tips about how she could reach out to perfect clients, how she almost did cold reaching out, which scared me a bit. But actually, she gave some great advice about how she can reach out to get those clients and how she's now ended up with some amazing clients in her agency. So I hope you're going to love this one. Like I said, it's a great one to help you think about how to get new customers. If you're not an agency or a freelancer, don't worry, there's still lots of great information in there for you. So without further ado, here is Jen. So I'm really excited today to welcome the lovely Jen Burson to the podcast. Welcome, Jen. Hello, lovely Teresa. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Now, I've said in the intro that you and I met in Laguna Beach at James's event, which was really cool. And we instantly hit it off and had sort of great fun together while we we're out there. And I wanted to stay in touch because I knew that what you do not only uh, would help me and some really interesting points for me and my business, but also lots of my podcast listeners. But before we jump into that and telling them how they can get more clients, let's just give them a bit of background as to who you are and how you got to do what you do now. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. So I started, I actually started my career as a civil litigation attorney did like a complete 180. I know it's kind of like, what were you thinking? But <laughs> I, I just decided one day that it did not match my personality to be a lawyer. I did not feel like it was a career. I felt like it was a job. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just wanted to, you know, work in a service that built businesses up, that helped businesses and entrepreneurs grow and rather than litigation where you're just spending money and trying to exhaust resources. I wanted to do something that had a positive impact on a company. Mm -hmm. And I started doing PR on the side. It just had an instinct for a certain brand. I reached out to them and I said, can you help me? um, Or can I help you? I'm I'm willing to work for free. I just need a box of products, (laughs) you know, like random girl reaching out over the internet, send me a big box of free stuff. But they did. 
And I was able to help this fragrance company get a bunch of media mentions and connect them with celebrities. And I loved that work so much. I loved the almost immediate impact it had on the business and the mm-hmm. tangible results I could physically hold in my hand, you know, back in the day when yeah. magazines were printed. And you yeah, yeah. Hand. Um, and I just said, I want more of this. I want to, I want to do more to build up companies. And I also want to be in business for myself. And so I just decided one day I am going to do this and I could always go back to law. And I started my business and kind of worked for a reduced rate on some clients just to get the experience. Mm-hmm. Cause I really had no experience, no contacts, no training whatsoever. And I was able to kind of, um, grow a business where I had an expertise in a couple niches Mm -hmm. and was able to kind of parlay that experience into reputation in those fields where we're now sought after. I mean, now it's been 14 years, but we're sought, we're sought after agency for our expertise in the baby and kids space Mm -hmm. and beauty and cosmetics. And we're able to charge Mm -hmm. premium prices. And I love the work so much. And I just feel so lucky to have my own business after all this time. And, you know, now I'm a mom. I have two boys, ages six and eight. And uh, just like love having a business that gives me ultimate flexibility and freedom. And I want to teach other women how to have the same thing. Yeah, that's amazing. And like, I think as lots of people starting off, they often do the free thing. And especially... And I don't, you know, I wouldn't knock it because actually I did the same. I volunteered for a charity that was a fairly high profile charity just so that my name was attached to the marketing for that to help me get my foot off the ground. Even though I'd done it for ages, when you start your own business, you've got to sort of really get yourself out there, haven't you? So I do think there is an element of um, you've got to do a bit of free stuff or do a bit of cheaper stuff. What really makes me laugh, and I don't know whether you get this still, probably not because you've been doing it so long, is when people reach out to me and will say, even now, they'll say, uh, you know, do you want to do this? It'd be a great case study for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm clients who, who I could do great case studies for. Thank you very much. Like, yeah, yeah, awesome. we're good now. Yeah. No, I agree that, um, you know, when someone is just starting out or you're really trying to pivot and, and establish a new niche, it does help to be able to offer your services in a way for the right opportunity that really aligns with what you're trying to accomplish, what your vision mm-hmm. is for your company. You know, come in for a reduced rate. Um, you know, look to get that right at the beginning. You know, at this point, you know, we're a little bit more established. We don't need those like case studies, yeah. um, but it does help, and it's a great way to kind of create a path. I like to be proactive in creating the business that you want rather than being reactive and just choosing what comes your way. You can actually decide this is the kind of work I want to do and reach out to those companies and offer services, but only if it is perfectly aligned or very closely aligned with, you know, a company, like you said, a charity that's very high profile, that's going to make you look really good. Yeah. Something that is going to raise your profile, but also don't come at it thinking you're going to offer the client free or significantly reduced services and then ultimately pivot them to a paying client. It no. very, very rarely happens. Yeah. So you have to decide you're doing it for yourself mm-hmm. and that it's going to benefit you and your and your agency's profile rather than try to convert them to a paying client because it's nearly impossible. Yeah, I totally agree. That once you once you give anything something for free, they're never going to then go, oh, I'll have it again and I'll pay you. You know, that's going to be a really... About 
about dating too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's going to be a real rare thing. So yeah, let me like, let me just touch on the fact of what you do now. The fact that you help other businesses, you help other freelancers and agencies get clients or you teach them and support them and coach them how they can then get clients which I think, and especially for the industry that we're in, so, you know, marketing, PR, social media, our job is to help our clients be seen and get their clients, which is why it's so ridiculous that sometimes we find it so hard to get our, to, to market ourselves, which is really odd considering that's what we do for a living. So one question that I get an awful lot from freelancers and agencies and that sort of thing is, how are they getting clients? And I get asked, how do I get clients? And I know you're going to be like horrified, but I know that I have not been as proactive. I've been very lucky and I've had always had a trickle of clients coming in and what we need, but I've certainly not proactively gone and got clients. So I'm really excited that today you're going to share with us some ideas on how people can do that, how they can bring on clients and not just any client. I really want to pick up on something you said when you said, who do you want to work with? Because in the early days, do you not find that the businesses that you coach, sometimes they just take anything because they're like, I just need the work. That's fine. I don't technically do that, but I am now going to do that. Or I do really want to work with this type of business, but now I'm going to just do this as well to get some money. Yes. Well, first, let me go back to what you said about not being super proactive. (laughs) I am not either, but I will say that I know how to turn up the gas when I need new clients. Okay. Um, I had a recent month where I had three really large clients decided to move on or not renew or whatever. Um, and I lost a significant amount of revenue in one month, like enough where you would just be like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And I didn't panic. And I said, if I could do that once, if I could land, you know, now I have Mm -hmm. $3 billion brands that I support. Um, if I can do that once I can do it again. And so that was, you know, July and all of August, I just kind of did what I know how to do in terms of getting clients. And then Mm -hmm. by September we were, you know, my husband calls me even Steven, we were right back to where we were. So it, it helps to know what to do. And that's kind of the first step is really deciding the kind of clients you want to work with, the kind of work that you want to be known for. Because you've Mm -hmm. got to think about this. If you go down the path and start getting, you know, the reason you're getting a lot of work, Teresa, is because you're known for being really good Mm -hmm. at doing what you do. So the kinds of clients that you serve are going to seek you out knowing that the services you provide are going to benefit them because you've done it for other people clients like them. So Mm -hmm. you want to think about creating a business that you're going to enjoy, you know, one, three, five, 10 years from now. I mean, I've been doing this for 14 years and I like the industries that I have been working in for all this time. I still really love them and I'm excited to continue going to work. But imagine you kind of create a business where you're reactive and you take whatever comes your way. And then all of a sudden, three years from now, you're, you're feeling like you don't even really like the business that you created because you don't love the kinds of clients you're serving or the work you're doing. So it helps to really think about how you want to establish your expertise, the niche you want to carve out. And it could either be the niche that's the type of client that you serve or the type of service that you want to be known for. And I would not recommend being all things to all people. You cannot get in a state of flow. You cannot be really profitable and have a business with not a lot of friction 
You yeah. know, I know you know this friction when you kind of do something for a client that's outside of the normal yeah. realm, um, and and it takes longer than you expect, and you did, you know, you have this scope creep where you didn't expect, like maybe this mm-hmm. website you're building, and all of a sudden, you know, a six week project to six months, and it happens. You know, we like to get in a state of flow where we're doing the things that we do. We're getting every client into a similar way that we onboard them, we serve them, we report to them. Because if you have all these little one-off services, you can't get in a state of flow. So you want to figure out who you serve and how you serve them. And then you can be more proactive about looking for those types of clients. And you have more clarity about how to say no and when to say no when those clients don't match your vision. And that's one of the most kind of powerful things as an agency owner that you can that you can do is have that confidence and the clarity to know the opportunities that are not the right fit for you. Yeah. And if you take those opportunities because you're running your business out of fear, because you are afraid either a client can't pay the rate you want or you're afraid you're not going to have enough clients, you're taking up time and energy from a spot that you can serve your ideal client for your rate that you know that you're worth. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And in, like I said, I think so many people start off and they're not that clear and they want to be everything to everybody and they want to serve everybody and they can find a way of, of serving anybody. But then, like you said, you end up doing stuff. And I know some of the clients that I've taken on where I've regretted it because I thought, oh, I'll do that for now. And then you know, some of my clients I've had for years and years and, and what I started off doing and what we do today, they look two very different things. So actually understanding that to begin with, and I never did that. I never sat down and go, right, who do I want to work with? What are we really good at? Like, you know, what can we turn so easily and it's not difficult and it doesn't feel impossible because again, working with lots of different clients, there are clients that are really hard work. There are industries that are really hard work. There are, there are things, and don't get me wrong, like you work in very lovely industries, you know, so they are (laughs) very marketable industries. Yes. Yes. And it's not to say, I mean, some of the clients that I work with that don't have the most sexiest of products or sexiest of service, they're still great and fine. And then there's those clients that are manufacturers that you're trying to do social media for a manufacturer and you're a bit like, okay, I'm struggling a bit now, but So like you said, finding that kind of who is it you want to work with. And I do think I've personally, in my own world, I'm not very good at niching down. I'm not very Mm -hmm. good at going, this is where I'm going to stick. Because like you said, you do get nervous. You think, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got to be really strong to say, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to turn that down because I'm going to focus on this. So, okay. So let's say we have decided who our ideal client is. How do we go and find them? Well, that's the multi-million dollar question, right? Well, <laughs> I there are several tactics, and I will say, and and they may seem really obvious, but you don't yeah. do them, I don't do them yeah. all the time. It's really about consistency and kind of being proactive and making client outreach a part of your you know weekly yeah. activities in your business. And it could take as simple as you know as little as five minutes a day or you know 20 minutes a week once you mm-hmm. kind of get your process down. But the number one resource for new clients is your network. Yeah. Okay. Everyone has a network. Um, your network is your best lead 
for qualified clients that you could serve. And what you have to keep in mind is your friends, your family, your former coworkers, they have no idea what you're up to. You yeah. think that they know. Your, your parents probably don't even understand what you do. <laughs> they don't, right? honestly. They, they don't get it. They don't actually know. <laughs> right. They don't get it. They don't know if somebody said, you know, what does Teresa do? What does Jen do? My mom would be like, my mom's savvy. She would know. But <laughs> my cousin would be like, I don't know, market. And, you know, they don't, they don't know. Yeah. So you have to be really clear on what you're looking for who you serve and how that specific person can help you. Mm-hmm. So you can let them know, you know, we're accepting new clients. These are the types of businesses that I help. And this is what I do. If you know anybody that I can support, please let me know, you know, and kind of reach out to people consistently and let them know what you're up to and who you want to work mm-hmm. with and how you can serve them. Honestly, it's as simple as that. Your network is going to be the biggest driver of new business opportunities. And I'm really guilty of this. I really enjoy my office environment. I really like being here. I don't really feel like I have Mm -hmm. to be proactive and go out for coffees and networking events. But in the beginning, I did. And if I needed to drum up business quickly, I would get out there and meet people face to face. And, you know, take them for a cup of coffee and let them know how I could support or serve them or who else they may know that I can serve. People genuinely want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And if you tell them how you can help um, and, and how they can help you, like what the next step is, they will take action for you if you make it really clear what you need from them. So your network is number one and, you know, make it an active part of how you run your business, but also cold pitching. And I know that that may seem for a lot of people, very off-putting, yeah. there is a way to cold pitch businesses where you are not sleazy and you're not a bottom feeder. We mm-hmm. are strategic, you know, entrepreneurs growing our businesses yeah. in a in a savvy way. And cold pitching is part of that strategy. And the way that you can go about doing it is once you have your niche established and you know who you serve mm-hmm. and how you can serve them, you can start to think about ideal clients that fit in that realm Mm -hmm. and start looking, you know, maybe starting with businesses that fit your niche that you use, you love, you're you're a customer of, and it's all about making that personal connection. Just like, you know, with PR, when we pitch, we want to convey to the editor or the writer how we're positioning this content just for them and their audience. The same thing goes with cold pitching. You want to let that company know you're familiar with their products. You're a customer of their products. Again, I serve, you know, um, brands with physical products, but if it's an expert, you can let them know you follow their content. You appreciate what they're up to. However, you can make that personal connection. Now the person's paying attention and you then want to give them something that you notice that they could use your support with like maybe on their website, their press section, they haven't had any content in a little while. Maybe they're Mm -hmm. not being proactive or they had a recent product launch and they didn't really do any promotion around it. And it's a missed opportunity. So you're not giving them a ton of strategy. You're not, and again, you're not putting a ton of information. The first email, the first point of contact is just to get them to want Mm -hmm. to speak to you and get them on the phone. And so always end with a strong call to action. You know, what is the next step? What's the next thing that person can do to connect with you? But being proactive with companies that you feel a a connection, a connection to, like if I had a business and someone reached out to me and they made a really 
compelling personal connection with my company and said, mm-hmm. I want to help you. I'm an expert at XYZ and I feel that I can benefit your business in this way. I think you'd be a fool not to at least just get on the phone and hear them out. And that's the first, the first step. So there's some really good points there that I want to pick up on. So firstly, let me just go back to looking at your network. Now you are so right. You as the person in your business, you think everyone knows what I do. You know, I'm always putting stuff out. I'm always, you know, there's always something there or this, whatever, but you're right. They don't have the faintest idea what you do. And I think the other thing that puts people off maybe doing this is you don't, you don't want to bombard them and you don't want to irritate them and you don't want to, and also people are very, um, they will immediately think, well, they don't, they don't, they're not my customer, so they're not going to know, you know, or this isn't going to be appropriate to them. But of course, who do you know? I mean, I'm from a big family. My parents are like, my mum's one of eight and my dad's like one of six or something. Wow. So I have lots of cousins and lots of aunties and uncles. And I have no idea, obviously, who's in their network. Sure. And I never even thought, and again, all my friends and never even thought to go, hey, I'm taking on clients this is who would be great for me or this is who I help and how I could help them. I mean, that's just kind of amazing. But there are, I think, a lot of people that A, would be too nervous to do it or or too nervous to think about doing it because they don't want to offend or upset their family and bother people. But actually, like you said, people want to help. And if they are genuinely your friends and family and connections, they're not going to mind that. Because I guess if someone came to me and said, I'm looking for clients for this. Genuinely, if I knew someone, I'd be like, oh yeah, so-and-so is really good. And I would happily, you know, put that connection in. And then when you were were talking about the cold pitch, oh my (laughs) God, that literally (laughs) then shivers down my spine. Because one thing I I am really bad at is like, I can, I'm now quite comfortable with closing. Mm -hmm. However, going in cold and introducing myself, the fear of being turned down or ignored or like, how do I get over that? Do do you get lots of no's? Do you just have to get really thick skin? Yeah. You know, honestly, it's just like pitching the media. The worst thing they can do is say no. Mm -hmm. I built my entire business on that premise. The worst thing someone can do is say no. Yeah. And usually it's not a no, you know, I, I, I want to swear, but it is maybe no, not right now, you yeah. know, so no doesn't hurt you. We're business yeah. owners. We're yeah. trying to earn a living. We're trying to create a company and you can't do that. If you're running your business out of fear, it's mm-hmm. also a way that people decided they're going to position their prices and what they're going to charge. It's not based on the value you bring. It's based on what you think the client is able to pay Yeah, and you don't want to lose that opportunity. So you price yourself out of fear. And I will say whenever we've positioned our, we've positioned our services as the premium option based on the value that we bring, we attract a much higher caliber of client that also tends to leave us alone and let us do our thing because they know they're investing in the best and you know the right the right service provider for them like the higher our rates are the better caliber of clients and i know you see that too totally. so you so you can't you can't come at it and yes it's always scary but mm. you know thinking they may say no but so what so what if they say no or if they ignore you you know it's kind yeah. of a numbers game you might have to send out 10 emails 
or 10, you know, cold pitches to companies that may result in one lead. But when you come at it from a place of adding value, Mm -hmm. contributing, wanting to serve, you know, rather than thinking, well, I'm like a, you know, I've got to send out these pitches because I need to land a client and, and I don't really care about this company, but I'm going to send it anyway. You know, it's the wrong mindset and you'll probably Mm -hmm. end up attracting not great caliber clients. But when you want to serve, you want to add value, you want to contribute. And when you have that mindset and that positioning, when you craft your, your pitch, Mm -hmm. it's going to come through and they're going to know that you are coming from a genuine place and you can add tremendous value. And again, you know, it's really funny the way you're talking about this, because I have seen, and obviously we do social media, so it's a very visual medium for us to see how someone is doing, right? So there are, and my husband does it all the time. He's like, oh my God, look at this person's account. Or So we're huge music fans and there's a band who I won't name and shame, but because we love them, <laughs> but big, well, they're not even just UK, they're international, huge band. Social media is appalling, like uh, literally so bad. And he always says to me, you should contact them. You should say, and I always fear that I don't want to come across like you've got a terrible account and I'm amazing and I can help you. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. Is it just, I've just got to word it properly or I've just got to get over myself? Like, is that a real thing? Both. You know, both, honestly, like when you have that mindset of, you know, I love this band and they're awesome, mm. but their social media doesn't reflect. Yeah, no the quality of the the band, the kinds of um, fans they have, their content wouldn't resonate with their audience. Yeah. And I can see that, you know, I really know that with, that I can add value and, you know, I can reach out in a way that's so personal and connected and say, gosh, I'm such a fan of yours. And, you know, I follow you on social, but what I hear in the music doesn't always translate mm. in the feed. And I have some ideas just knowing that, you know, you can mm. use your social to impact your fans in a certain way. And maybe there's more you could be doing there. I would love to chat. It's, you know, you're not putting them down. You're just no. letting them know maybe there's a missed opportunity. And, and that's the thing. It is that, isn't it? It's like, because yeah. I'm looking at that going, I love these guys. Why aren't they getting more? You know, they've got like hundreds of thousands of Facebook likes on their page. Like literally every post tumbleweed, like nothing. <laughs> You know, well, it's like, for you, too, you, know, you know, about five people or something. And it's like, oh man, they should be doing so much better than this, you know? So it is always from a genuine, like, I want to help. I want it to get better. Yeah. So the other thing I want to ask when you were talking about, um, finding your, your niche, finding who you want to work with. So I've got, um, a gin client that we manage their social media and it's a so really successful, oh yeah, and I love <laughs> the fact that I have a gin client normally actually, I know. in my <laughs> office, there's like gin sat behind me. So, so that's hidden at the moment. Um, so like, <laughs> and we, we do a great job for them. We do a lot of competitions, we do advertise and, and it all goes down really well. And mm-hmm. they have a huge following and their business is, is built on their social media. But I've always been cautious in the past of going to competitors. So how do you, where do you sit on that? Because obviously being in a niche is great because you can go, I am the number one gin marketer. Mm -hmm. Like if Mm -hmm. I wanted to do that, 
Um, I'm not saying I am, by the way. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, let's say that's the thing. But how do I fit? How do I sit with going? Okay, I'm going to market that gin and that gin and that gin and that gin and that gin. Like, is that not a kind of stepping on each other's toes? How do you feel about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, gin might be really specific. Maybe you're yeah. you're a marketer of spirits. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And you can go a little more broad, and then they're not going to compete. But if mm. there are two gins, if their branding, their brand positioning is so distinct, and I would also get my clients to sign off on it. And to be really candid, I do not take competing brands. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel good about it. No. Um, and I don't have a clause in my contract that says, you know, exclusivity or mm-hmm. anything like that. But if I'm going to choose, let's say in my niche, um, I represent Silver Cross, which is a, is a pram, you know, pram yeah, company. I had a Silver Cross pram. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. So, yeah. They're so, I mean, they're absolutely beautiful, but um, we help them launch their contemporary line here in the US. And I'm eliminating the opportunity to work with Tons of other competitors. And so it better be worth my while. I mean, I've been reached out. We get, you know, companies proactively coming to us because we're known in that space. So I've had to turn down three or four companies that Mm -hmm. are like, oh my God, I would love to work with them. But it's a conflict with, you know, Silver Cross strollers and prams. So I wouldn't take a direct competitor in Mm -hmm. that specific product range. But I would definitely work with, uh, you know, a, a, a car seat company, um, yeah. something complimentary, just something that we're no- in the niche that we're known mm. for. So you're not completely like limiting yourself in some way. Yeah. You don't have to be the gin, gin marketer, but you can be a spirits marketer. Yeah. And mm. then with regard to two clients that are completely the same, you know, uh, product, you can look at their branding, their brand positioning, their brand yeah. messaging, who their target customer is. And if it's distinct enough, then Then. ask both of them, are you okay with this? And I think, and I always try to position it too. This is going to benefit you because we get a lot of clients coming to us in this realm. And now it's, if people come for them, it's going to serve you because we can also position you alongside them in, you know, in a way where there's maybe a product roundup or something like that. And like you said, it's definitely, um, well, generally in, in agency life, you learn from one sort of campaign with one client, even a completely different client, different industry, you can learn from those things. But as long as, like you said, they're not competing directly, because like there are many different types of, in fact, I was listening to um, Seth Godin on, mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was Amy's or James's yep, podcast. I heard him. him. I heard both of them. <laughs> And, and, and I have listened to both. So, and he was talking about crisps and he was basically saying, you know, if someone's come into the market to buy, now obviously you have Lay's in America mm-hmm. and it would be like Walker's mm-hmm. for us. You know, if mm-hmm. they come into market to do that and you sell a luxury high-end, really expensive crisp, they're not looking for your product. So right. in that way, you can, I guess I could argue or see the sense in saying, okay, they're both crisps, but how I'm going to market this luxury product is not how I'm going to market the bog standard product. So actually you're not competitors of each other, even though you are the same product. So yeah, I get that. Or even like to go back to the stroller example, you know, Silver Cross is a luxury brand. Those prams Mm -hmm. are, you know, upwards of $3,000 here in the U S and then their contemporary line is about $1,600. 
if there was a down market that was geared towards, let's say, athletic parents, like it was a yeah, jogging yeah. stroller collection, those target audiences are completely yeah. different. And I would, you know, if you are creating a niche where you are an expert and your expertise has a lot to do with your depth of knowledge in a certain mm-hmm. industry, you want to be paid for that. So either they're paying for exclusivity and there's an, a, a higher value on that contract and you're then eliminated from using that expertise to benefit another brand, mm-hmm. or you decide to take you know, an up market and a down market and, and definitely you want their sign off. I'm 100% always above yeah. board and you want to make sure your clients always know that you are thinking of them and you have their best interests in mind, no matter what you're doing in your business. But um, your expertise in that industry has value and you yeah. want to be compensated for it. And that means that you're able to, you know, you're able to work with other brands. I mean, I will give you one example. I've had two times in my business where I've had quantum growth, okay. where I experienced when I checked into a certain, a certain tactic, I had quantum growth. The first is right after I first started, I had a business mentor that told me that I needed to hire a team. And in the beginning, I was very concerned about spending any money on a team. And I felt like I might be, you know, it was very stressful. And he said, less gen equals more money. And you need to work on the business, not in the business. And, And all of that resonated. I hired a team and I had quantum growth. I was able to, you know, focus on revenue generating activities and get out of the day to day. Mm -hmm. The second time I had quantum growth was when my very first client, I worked with them for my first paying client. I worked with them for 11 years. And again, we started at a half rate. And then over time we increased, but very, you know, very a small increase is time because it's hard to go from I'm brand new to like, okay, here's market rate. Um, but I increase a little, 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 and that client always had us under their thumb a little bit because yeah. we were new when we started and they felt like they, um, we should owe all of our expertise in their niche to them um, and their business. Right. Mm-hmm. And so every single other client in that realm was a quote unquote competitor. And this woman that was the CEO would say, well, you can't work with them. They're a competitor. And she Mm -hmm. completely limited our ability to work with these other clients. And I was operating my business out of fear. And I allowed that to kind of keep me at a rate that was very low and very below market for the amount of expertise we had after a decade of working in that that industry. And one day I decided that I would have a business no matter what if this client went away. And that I wasn't going to allow fear to keep me in in a certain space. And I kind of, um, you know, before I would answer the phone at all hours of the night and on weekends, and I was totally responsive. And I just said, you know what, this is not the business that I created that I, that I want to have. I want to have more control over my time. I don't need to be accessible to clients 24 seven, and I don't need to work out of fear to Mm -hmm. kind of serve this one client. And then over time, we sort of grew apart. And, um, you know, it was, it was just the perfect timing. It was such a, it was just the ideal time for me to, to be able to spread my wings and go beyond that. So I literally like we lost them, let's say on a Wednesday, which was, I was so happy. I felt like a huge weight had been lifted off of me. And on Thursday, my dream client, like if I were to say, 
this company is my dream client. This is exactly who I want to work with. They're innovative. They're coming up with new products all the time. Everyone likes it. The price point's great. I mean, dream, dream, dream client. They contacted me the next day and I said, my rate is triple. They didn't know I tripled it. But in my mind, I said, you know what? Uh, Given my area of expertise and what I know how to do, my contacts, my level of experience, we were stuck at this rate for a decade. We're really worth triple what that is. And without batting an eye, they said, where do we sign up? And so that's when I experienced quantum growth. The second time was when I really checked into what we knew, the value that we brought to the market and the deep expertise that we had and no longer let fear guide how I was going to run my business. That is amazing. And and such an amazing opportunity, like you said, because potentially if you'd still got them, you wouldn't have taken this new client on because you would have thought, well, I can't because that's a competitor or in the same industry or whatever. So, but let me just go back to one thing you just said then. When about taking on your team, right? Because one of the things I've been thinking about, which might relate to this, but one of the things I was thinking about is how do you get these big clients when... Now, I've worked as a client for Land Rover, so huge mm. international brand, sure. huge marketing budgets. We work with huge agencies mm-hmm. when I worked for them. And I know they wouldn't even... Because they were such a big company, they looked at agencies at a certain size. Mm-hmm. So in those early days trying to pitch to those bigger companies, how can you convince them that you are you are the right person for it? And I guess you kind of maybe answered by saying you got a team fairly quickly. So do you think that was it or not? No. Oh my gosh, I love this question so much for so many reasons. You know, I used to feel very self-conscious about running my business from home. I mean, you can see me, we're on camera. I am in my home office. I'm so happy here. We're able to be lean and mean because I run a lean agency. I don't have a lot of overhead expenses and I serve billion dollar clients, not just one, not a fluke. I have three brands, billion dollar brands, huge budgets. They are now billion dollar companies. Large companies are seeking out smaller companies who can be more nimble, more strategic, that can get more senior people supporting them. When you go to a large agency, there are so many layers of people. You have the senior people selling the services. And then when you're onboarded, you are farmed out to the juniors and maybe they're getting trained working on your account, you know? Mm -hmm. And I will say all of my billion dollar clients came from within my network or from past clients that I had that went on to other companies. I'm very clear. You know, I used to be nervous. People would say, oh, well, can we come to your office and meet you? And I'd say, oh, well, we're getting our offices being painted and let me meet you at a coffee shop. And now it's like, you know what? I work from home. Um, We can do a Zoom. I'll happily do face-to-face or I'll come to you, whatever. I have zero um, hesitations in that regard. It's like, if you feel like the results we get are not good enough because of where we're sitting, then that's, you know, not the kind of client that I want to work with, but it's really kind of easy in the beginning to position yourself as having the experience, the contacts, the big strategy, big thinking of a a large agency with the handholding, the personal connection and access to more senior people of a boutique agency and really show them, you know, big companies are leaving the cold and um, impersonal world of large agencies and seeking out, 
nimble, you know, we're quick to evolve. The, the media landscape is so quick to evolve and mm. we're able to make those quick moves better than a large agency. So we get big, my dream client that I mentioned, they are owned by a $3 billion publicly traded company. We survived that Mm. acquisition. We're still on board. All of our work is, is, um, that company sees it where they're exposed to what we're up to and they love it. Their main, the main parent company doesn't do what we do. And they're Mm. they're We're like the scrappy, you know, that small brand, they didn't touch when they acquired them. They didn't change it because it's working. And we're like the scrappy get things done agency and they love it. You know, so you can easily position yourself to these larger clients and say, look, you know, you can go to a big agency and getting them to, to change strategy is like steering a cruise ship. You yeah, make yeah. a move and three, three months later, it actually yeah. turns in that direction. Or you can go with us. We'll be nimble. We're quick. And we've, you know, got your yeah. best interest in mind here. And you know, that is such a good point. We were a big client and we were at big agencies. I can honestly tell you if you want a, like you said, the person that dealt with me had less experience than I did. And, uh-huh. and I, you know, I had my degree in marketing, I've worked in marketing and that she was being trained up. It was exactly that. Right. So she, mm-hmm. she was being trained up. If I wanted anything done, it took forever because, so let's say you wanted something designed. Well, they would have to come and fill in a design brief. And then once they fill yeah. in the design brief, they have to then go back and brief the designer. The designer then needs to think about it. The designer then maybe comes up with something that then comes back to the, uh, client manager, they then review it. So that could take weeks. Then the client manager would come back to us and it was like, do you know what? You can't, in in the world of social media, that does not work. It doesn't work. And one of our other, you know, billion dollar companies that we work with is using us because we can get, they will come to us and say, gosh, we're so sorry, but we have this promotion and we want to run it through our social channels. How quickly can you do it? Mm -hmm. And the answer is how quickly can we get you to approve it? Because yeah, yeah, we can yeah. get it done fast. You're going to be the bottleneck. And that's how it is. You know, they, mm. they even said to us about a month into it, like we've never worked with an agency that's so fast when you strip away those layers of approval. Yeah. And it's like saying something has to be done a certain way because that's how it's always been done. Mm-hmm. That's no longer going to fly. When you yeah. have businesses like ours where social media, you know, is a huge part of the service and it happens so quickly. Changes happen quickly. You have to stay on top of things. Social media is supposed to be an in the moment type of Mm -hmm. thing. So how do you react? Yeah. Yeah. How do you bridge that gap for a large client that wants to plan and have approvals and have everything laid Mm -hmm. out weeks and months in advance? You have to find a way to, you know, be proactive and make things happen quickly, but also understand, I mean, we have, we have everything with this one client has to go through a team of scientists and the legal department. And you can imagine hold up there. So, you know, it's, we, we work within that that restriction and we still get things done really quickly. And if you then added a layer of like a huge agency having to get 10 people to like onboard and approve and concept and all of that, nothing would ever get done. And again, I just, there was something you said, which I I have felt exactly the same. So my team of virtual, you know, they all work from their own offices. They're, They're in the States, they're in the UK. And I had that when a client said, can I come to the office and meet your team? And they were a fairly big client. And mm-hmm. I was like panicking, thinking, mm-hmm. what am I going to say? Like, how can I lie? Can I draft mm-hmm. people? And then I, I just got sweat and I was like, well, no, because that's not how I work. This is how yeah. I work. This, yep. And like you said, if, you, if 
we're not for you. If you need an agency where you can physically go and sit in an office and see the designer and see the tech person and chat to this person, then that's fine. That's not us. So, you know, you just have to decide whether that's for you or not. And then the other thing I was going to say was talking about agencies and the fact that because of what we do, because you and I work really hard to be really good in our industries, you know, so I speak a lot, you you do your coaching. We are at the constant, you know, up and coming thing. We are constantly developing, learning, getting the next thing, testing it, speaking about it, writing a blog post about it, doing a podcast about it. And I know having, and I've worked in an agency as well, where I was an employee in an agency, mm-hmm. as well as being a client side, I know there is no way on this earth that someone within an agency who is employed is going to those efforts. So I know that like even social media people within agencies, the level of learning that I have to get to because I put myself out there to the world as this expert is way above and beyond. So even though you might think, well, I haven't got the fancy office and I'm not based in London and you know we don't have 60 staff and a whole team of designers or whatever... But do you know what? The stuff I know is like worth that. And if you want that, then great. So I think as, as freelancers or agencies, small agencies, we need to realize that, you know, we have something to add and we have value and we just need to demonstrate that to our clients or to our potential. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And things are changing where this is going to become, you know, less, of a kind of a different model and more widely accepted. Mm -hmm. And you can easily say, I love how you address that when someone said, I want to come in and meet your team and you just owned it and said, this Mm -hmm. is how I run my business. No one gets to tell you that that's any less, you know, valuable. Like you're not spending all this money to employ all these people. I mean, you bring people in, you can scale down or ramp up if you need to. And you let them know, that allows me to work with the best of the best. I get to yes. handpick the and right team. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's all how you position it. And I think that's fantastic when you can own that and know too, you know, this is, this is a very profitable way to run an agency and you're doing it on your terms. And anybody who's going to come in and say, well, you should really do it this way. It's like, well, then you really shouldn't be a client of mine. Yeah. It's not for you, is it? Yeah. You know, this is how we work. So Jen, honestly, this has been so, so good. And I want to thank you because this, like I said, is an area that I'm sure so many people of um, of my listeners will be sitting thinking, but how do I get clients? How do I get clients? Mm-hmm. And some of those things that you've said, like you said, they are, they're not like some crazy tactic that you've never heard of, but how consistently am I cold pitching? I've never done it. Not once. <laughs> but you know, we should be. And if I want those ones that are, if, you know, if I want the team to be working on the really good stuff or the, the really stuff they love working on, then I should be doing that. And also I never use my network. In fact, I'm ashamed to say it, but I have my Facebook set up in a way that if I'm sharing a work post, I sometimes don't share it to my friends and family mm. because I don't want to irritate them. And actually yeah. that is just crazy because like you said, they should be there supporting you and, and kind of, you know, willing you along. So that's awesome. So thank you so much. I'm going to hook up to everything in the show notes. You've got some great content out there. And obviously this was just the tip of the iceberg. I'm assuming there's so much more. So I'm going to hook up to everything in there. 
all Jen's links and so everybody can go and find it. And Jen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I always love chatting with you. So as always, I really enjoyed that episode. Jen is such a lovely lady. She's so smart. She's got some great ideas. I love the fact that she talked about what enabled her to have quantum jumps in her business. The first one, bringing on a team and how scary that might be. And I know from experience, it is scary, but actually she's so right. It gives you time and freedom and space to work on your business, not in your business. So I totally agree with that one. That was great. And then the next one, which again is, in fact, funnily enough, this has been something that lots of people have been talking about recently. So it really resonated when I re-listened to it. The fact of having clients that have been with you from a really long time, maybe from the beginning, who aren't paying the market rate. And therefore you're selling out your services at a much lower amount than you would be if you were to then quote that client today. So and the damage that might do to your business, that's a really interesting one. Now, I'm not saying that's an easy one to get over. I'm not saying that's an easy one to get out of. It does mean you've either got to charge them more or you've got to fire them as a client, which is never nice. But it does make you think, actually, are you holding on to people in your business where you shouldn't be holding on to them? And actually, that client or that customer is holding you back from your growth or stopping you from earning more. So for instance, let's say when you started, you were charging out your hourly rate at £100 an hour, and now you're charging out at £500 an hour. Well, obviously, if they're only paying £100 an hour, you could be earning an awful lot more by having a new client now, or by saying to them, I've got to increase your prices. But you know what? I hear you. This is a tough thing to do. This isn't an easy thing to do, but it's definitely worth just having it in your brain and maybe just playing around with the idea of that and looking at the numbers of that in order to start getting used to the idea of maybe thinking about something to do with it. And you know what? I'm definitely going to address this in further podcasts coming forward in terms about having some of these awkward conversations with yourself and making some of those tough decisions. So we're definitely going to focus on that at some point as well. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it like I did. I thought it was great. I got some great tips from it. I really enjoyed talking to Jen. She was fab. So next week back with a solo episode. And you know what? I'm always really keen to hear what you want me to talk about. If there are particular subjects or things that you think, I want to hear more about that. What's that about? Then please do let me know because at the end of the day, I am doing this for you guys. I want to serve you. I want to give you great content so that you are able to make big strides in your business. So please let me know. Please come and find me on social. I'd love to hear from you. But until then, have a great week and I will see you this time next week. Thanks for listening to the Social Media Marketing Made Simple podcast with Teresa Heath-Waring from TeresaHeathWaring.com. 